host Layla Chi, your host. Welcome to another Bible study with me. Um, today we are doing um, our Kingdom Stories series, and we are in um, week two, day two, Matthew thirteen twenty four through twenty six. And the questions that we are going to go over are um, question two and three. Father God, thank you so much for this time together um, to just gather and exalt you, Lord, and exalt your word, exalt your kingdom, exalt your truth. May you um, prepare our hearts and um, open our minds, um, give us understanding, Lord, and give us um, the love for living these uh, truths out and for applying them, not just to our head and our hearts, but to um, our daily walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's talking about the parable of the weeds. I'll read that to you. Matthew 13, 24 through 26. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. In question three, um, it says, A parable is a practical, realistic story that illustrates essential spiritual truth. What topic do these opening verses suggest, and how do they introduce it? Jesus teaching us about the kingdom of heaven and how it's like a man who um, sowed two kinds of seed in his field. Um, one is um, that one that the enemy had, has done, and another one is the good seed. And you know, Jesus' uh, Hebrew audience would have known this um, darnel that was sown um, next to the wheat. It was a very poisonous uh, weed that looked just like the wheat on the outside, but inside you couldn't really tell. Inside was very poisonous. Um, it was a common thing that the Romans had done, and it was actually illegal for them to do to sow this and underneath the roots and get intertwined and intermingle and um, entail together, and they grow kind of together with the good wheat, and so it'd be very deceiving, and you wouldn't be able to tell from the exterior which one was this darnell, this beer darnell, this poisonous weed that made people sick, and which one was actual wheat. And so it was kind of like a crime to sow these two um, seeds together and have them intermingle because of the nature of them and the uh, way it could fool people and deceive people. And so it was actually punishable by law to do that in Rome. And Jesus' audience would have known that at the time. And he kind of likens us to what Satan does. He plants, you know, these poisonous weeds, these poisonous uh, seeds along God's children and along um, the true um, reality of things. And it's hard to tell the difference between, you know, the fake and the true. And 
the real and the, the toxic because it's so deceitful and sometimes we don't really know like who's of God's kingdom and who's God's people and um, who are the true and fake disciples and who are the false teachers because they intermingle together and a lot of times we like to put this verse in the church you know we hear it like oh you know it's in the church but it's actually in the world as a whole and so sometimes it's hard to know a counterfeit from um, the real and obviously God has real enemies and real oppositions to his work and God's enemies are real um, they're Satan's always opposing um, God's work in his church and always opposing um, the gospel message going forth and salvation and so um, there's this um, true um, push and force against um, the work of God and Satan is here to destroy that he knows it's kind of short Of the of sea. 
jeans. It would have been, you know, his secret weapon from the beginning of time to take um, something good or something of God and to slightly uh, twist it or slightly modify it and use this uh, sleight of hand that's very secretive and cunning and creep in and to creep up on people to use um, that to deceive even scripture, scripture, you know. Throughout history, he was used to, you know, mock God and God's words that God really say. And God promises, you know, though they're full of strength and many, they'll be cut down. just in contrast with like you know God's shield that he provides and his refuge that he is to his people who you know turn to him and take refuge in him and the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble he knows those who take refuge in him with an overflowing flood he'll make a complete end of his adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness what do you plot against the Lord he'll make a complete end Trouble or oppression sometimes that's rendered will not rise up a second time. For they are like entangled thorns, like drunkards as they drink. These are, you can think of the root system of our wheat and our tares and our weeds, you know, growing together and how they're um, entangled underneath the ground. You know, the entangled thorns, like drunkards as they drink and they consume like stubble, fully dried. From you came one who plotted evil against the Lord, a worthless counselor. Though there are full strength and many, they'll be cut down and passed away. Uh, though I have afflicted you, I'll afflict you no more. And um, one of the Matthew Henry's commentary on that actually said that, you know, um, they should appear to have laid themselves open to divine wrath by their own act and deed. There are thorns that entangle one another and are folded together. They make one another worse and more inveterate against God and his Israel, harden one another's hearts and strengthen one another's hands in their impiety. And therefore God will do with them as a husband does with a bush of thorns. When he cannot part them, he puts them all into the fire together. There's drunken men intoxicated with pride and rage, such as they shall be irrevocably overthrown and destroyed. They shall be as drunkards be sought into their own ruin. They shall stumble and fall and make themselves a reproach, but be justly laughed at. They shall be devoured as stubble, fully dry, which is irresistibly and irrevocably consumed by the flame. The judgments of God are as devouring fire to those that make themselves a stubble to them. It is again threatened concerning this great army that though they be quiet and like many very secure, not fearing the sallies of the besieged upon, upon them, because they are numerous, yet thus shall they be cut down, or certainly they shall be cut down as grass or like corn, Benjamin, right? As corn's cut down. Fresh corn stalks from, from the land, right, Benjamin? that tribe as grass and corn are cut down with a little ado when he shall pass through oh he passed through it even the destroying angel that commissioned to cut them down note the security of sinners and their confidence is their own strength they're often pres presages of ruin and 
approaching. So even those commissioned, you know, to cut them down, uh, passed through it. Upon the king, he imagined evil against the Lord. Shall he escape? The Lord has given a commandment concerning thee. The decree has gone forth that the name be no more sworn. That thy memory perish, and that thou be no more talked as though has been, and the report of thy mighty actions be dispersed upon. Um, the bitter portion shall not be repeated unless there be need and patience case call for it. God does not afflict willingly. The enemy shall dare again to attack him. The wicked shall no more pass through thee as they have done to lay all waste. For he is utterly cut off, disabled to do so. His army is cut off and his spirit cut off. And at length he himself is cut off. And then finally, we have this great tidings. The tidings of great deliverance, you know, shall be published. Published and welcomed with abundance of joy throughout the kingdom. And so we see this, like, behold upon the mountains, the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, good news. The feet of the evangelist, you know. You see him coming at the distance upon the mountains. Uh, as fast as the feet will carry him. How pleasant the sight is once more to see the messenger of peace. After we have received so many, you know, ill messages, we see that finally um there's this you know blessing of behold upon the mountains of the feet of him who bring good news and publishes peace keep your feet so judah fulfill your vows for never again will the worthless pass through you he is utterly cut off so there is hope and we do see um you know this shall um surely live for his father because he practiced extortion robbed his brother he did what was good among his people behold he shall die for his inequity so we see like why should this, not the son suffer the inequity of the father when the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes he shall surely live the soul that sins shall die the son shall not suffer for the inequity of the father now the father suffer for the inequity of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. <clears throat> um, you know, keeps himself from inequity, takes no interest or profit, obeys my rules, walks my statutes. He shall not die for the inequity of his father. So we just see, like, how, you know, everyone will, you know, be accountable for their own sin and, you know, their own good deeds. That's just God's ways. again we see the compare and contrast between the wheat and the weeds and the good seed and the bad seed and essentially how um satan uses these deceitful techniques and um how god likens that to um the false teachers and the uh, wolves among the sheep and uh, wolves in sheep's clothing so there's gonna be a lot of false teaching going on and false teachers and it's gonna be hard to tell the difference between you know godliness and godlessness and especially in the last days which we are in there's going to be treacherous people in these positions of power positions of um you know respect positions of authority positions where we're supposed to um honor these people because of um 
that position of promise that they're in, yet they're treacherous, you know, and they don't uphold that title that they, um, carry, especially, um, teachers within the church or even, you know, without the church, someone that's, you know, a, a Christian or a disciple of Christ, so, um, preachers, pastors, you know, Pharisees, those are some of the words that Jesus, um, always called out, um, their false spiritual, um, pretenses because of the nature of their work. But nonetheless, there's going to be treacherous people, reckless people, swollen with conceit. These are false teachers, I guess, not people. Uh, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. This, you know, legalism, they're always learning, doing works, doing works, doing works, and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janice and Jamborees opposed Moses, these are two people back in, um, Old Testament times that the Jew, the Jewish audience would have been familiar with, they opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith, but they won't get very far. Their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So they won't get very far. Their folly will be plain. We'll all see it. We'll all catch them. It'll be obvious. Um, as it was of those two men, you know, when you oppose truth, it's kind of, um, obvious when you're living in sin and error so he's like you know be careful the last days there's gonna be godlessness running rampant there's gonna be treacherous people they're gonna be reckless swollen with conceit lovers of lovers of pleasure and not god and they have this appearance this external this external appearance of godliness right just like our wheat and our tares our parable here the external looks the same. We can't tell the wheat from the Darnell. They look exactly the same on the outside. And so do these false teachers. So do these um, false disciples. We don't know who's a true disciple who's not. They're going to be in the church and be in the world and be everywhere. And we're not going to be able to tell the real from the counterfeit. And he's like, externally, they're going to look the same. They have this appearance of godliness. But they deny its power. Avoid these people. They have this appearance of godliness, but they don't have the power of it. So we see that in the last times, there's going to be, which we are living in the last days, there's going to be just an increase of godlessness. And if we go back to our weekend tears, you know, this whole... Um, problem with trying to determine, you know, the wheat from the weeds. It's going to be hard because externally they're going to look the same and we're not going to know the difference and we're not going to know who's godly and who's godless because there's going to be treacherous people, reckless people, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're going to have the appearance of godliness, but they're going to deny its power. Avoid such people, 2 Timothy 3 tells us. It's like they're going to have all the externals are going to have all the external godliness uh, that's required. You know, Pharisees, you know, were some of the worst people that Jesus condemned when he walked the earth because of the external religious piety that they put on, but they didn't have the power that goes with it. And he says, avoid these people. They're going to be treacherous. 
and being positions of prominence and positions of honor and positions that you know are authoritative authoritative and just um highly regarded for the nature of their work and yet they're gonna be treacherous in those positions they're gonna be reckless they're gonna be swollen with conceit they're gonna be lovers of pleasure and not lovers of god They'll put on the show of, of external piety. They'll have the religious pretenses. They have the appearance of godliness. Are we and are we? We couldn't tell the difference, right? Darnell and, and, and the wheat look the same. And they intermingle in the roots. But, you know, one was very poisonous and toxic. And one was good to eat. It's those, uh, you know, godliness appearance can fool so many people. And does. And Timoth- um, in this letter, Second uh, Timothy, we're urged to avoid these people. For among them are those who creep into households. They capture weak women who are burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. These are women that are, you know, good at legalism, good at always doing works, righteousness, doing works, righteous works to make them right and legalistic things, but they can never arrive at the knowledge of the truth, never arrive at Christ crucified, right? It's always um, legalistic things, not Christ alone, grace alone. Just as Janice and Jamborees opposed Moses, the two, you know, um, people back in the Old Testament times that were known to the Jewish audience here, they opposed Moses. These men also oppose the truth. They're men corrupted in the mind, disqualified regarding the faith. They won't get very far, though, he warns us. Their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Like, they won't get very far, though, you know. Their folly will be known to everyone. It'll be plain to see. Even, you know, so was it of those two men. So these two, they will, you know, be exposed for their works and and what they are about. Because God brings all these things to light. And they won't um, get very far in their folly. It'll be plain. So he just warns us and t- tells us to, you know, take heed to these things. Avoid these kind of people. Because there's going to be an increase of godlessness in the days. And there's going to be, you know rampant um external godliness and piety whatnot but you know they're going to deny the power uh, that comes with true um godliness and true christ crucified change and so we see how these people can go out and deceive many and how these um false teachers of what they are here these false teachers that are you know the the wolves in sheep's clothing that we hear about a lot um, have, you know, these false pretenses and they false teach and they're intermingled in the church and they're in, intermingled in our world. And it's like, how do you know, you know, the, the true disciple of Christ from, you know, this uh, godlessness in these times. So to just always be on guard for that and to, you know, avoid these kind of people. Um, again, we see... God tells us, you know, like, um, our Satan, our deceiver, how he is kind of like this lion, right? He's the master of deceit. He is the um, enemy that sows these weeds with the weed at night when people are sleeping, when no one's aware, you know, he secretly does it. He brings in secret heresies so discreetly that we don't really know sometimes, like, did did, you know, scripture really say that? What, what did God really say? You know, and he sneaks in destructive heresies or destructive uh, teachings or destructive um, cunning uh, ways that, 
you know, are so subtle and so subtle that we don't really take note of them. It's not like something very uh, big and drastic that we can all notice. You know, they're very um, minor. It starts really small. It doesn't get very big, you know, fast. So it's very indiscreet and deceitful. And that's always been Satan's wave way. And so, um, just like a shepherd rescues from the mouth of a lion, two legs, a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be rescued, the corner of a couch and part of a bed. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord, that on the day I punish Israel for his transgressions, I'll punish the altars of Bethel, the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. I'll strike the winter house. This is the winter household, you know, this house that's um, gained by oppression, this house that's gained by um, unjust gain, unrighteous briberies, uh, false pretenses, someone that should have been a friend that turns out to be none that um, gets unjust gain from his friend or oppresses or harasses or uses and abuses people for their own gain just for the fun of it, for the mockery of it, for a bribe maybe, you know. Uh, the whole winter house, along the summer house. He says, I'll strike that winter house and I'll strike that summer house. You got by oppression, all these riches you built for yourself, oh Jacob, by going to these uh, places and oppressing people uh, for uh, winter houses and summer houses for yourself to give fake testimony. So he's like, I'll strike them. And then guess what? Uh, the ivory house will perish. Your great houses that you got by oppressing people and abusing people, they'll all perish. All your great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. So, Jacob, let, let's declare uh, and testify against you. You built yourself a lot of lofty little houses here, winter house, summer household. Uh, you used a lot of people to, for unjust gain for yourself to come spurn testimony, to come lie, to come deceive, to oppress, to abuse people, to use people, to manipulate, to take bribes. When that person should have been a friend and they just trash their friend and harass them and disregard them like that. Like, shame on you, Jacob, for biting off people like that. And winter house? Summer house? Uh, you'll come to an end. Don't worry. You'll perish. All the great houses you got like that will perish. Take heed. God will rescue, the Lord will rescue them. Like, you know, pulling them out of that lion's mouth himself. And no wonder because, you know, Peter tells us, uh, Cast your burden, your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and watchful. Be sober-minded and watchful. Why should you watch? Why should you be sober in your mind? Oh, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. That's one of his names. You know, he's the ancient serpent, the accuser of the brothers, the father of all lies, right? He's a roaring lion here, it tells us, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Know that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced. This is experienced suffering, right? By the brotherhood throughout the world. So not only is this experience worldwide, it's within the church and the brotherhood. He's like, resist him. Firm in your faith and know that your suffering isn't alone. This experiential suffering is all over the world. And after you suffer a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
damn be the dominion forever and ever. So hold on just a little longer. I know it's suffering and it's patient endurance. It's like, take heart. These experiences are worldwide and in the brotherhood. But God will rescue you from that devouring lion's mouth himself and he'll establish you. Hold fast to your faith. That lion is seeking someone to devour. So be watchful. Have a sober mind. Take heed of that lion. And you know, bless the man who walks down the counsel of the wicked. Yes, you know, another mark of the devil. Or stands in the way of sinners. Or nor sits in the seat of scoffers. A lot of scoffing going on, right? That was promised in the last times. People scoff, they like to mock, they like to harass, they like to, you know, manipulate, they like to tease, they like to scoff at you. He says, blessed is a man who walks down the counsel of these people and the wicked, the way the sinners are seated of scoffers, but, you know, delights in the word, delights in the law of the Lord. Therefore, the wicked won't stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And wicked, you know, is often um, in the parameters of sexual perversions and wickedness in that sense. Those ways will perish because they won't stand in the congregation of the righteous. Fear not. Lastly, well, I guess not lastly, but next we um, go to our Genesis account of um, deceit, you know, on the lines of these uh, wheats and wheat and weeds being sown together and how just this external um, shell on them is hard to decipher and discern the true wheat from the tares and from the from the weeds that were sown by the enemy. And so we see just how cunning and deceitfulness goes all the way back, you know, even to Genesis and the blessing of Isaac on Jacob and Esau and how Rebecca, their mom, played a good part in that by using deceit and she tried to, you know, flip the inheritance around. Now, you know, whether it was supposed to be for this one or that one and how this all played out, we don't know if this was God's design of how it played out, you know, that's a good question, true to scripture, but obviously the context of my um, use of this passage is the deceitfulness used and deceitfulness involved and we know that Rebecca um, says that um, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to her son Esau so when Esau went to the field to hunt in the field again to hunt for game and bring it Rebecca said to her son Jacob I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, before the Lord, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. So she heard this, right? Show her this, um, this conversation. And she's like, okay, he wants you to go hunting in the field. Go bring some game that he likes to eat. So she's like, go bring me game before, prepare me delicious food before I die so I can bless it and bless you and now therefore my son obey my voice as I command you go to the flock bring me two young good good young goats two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves 
and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold my brother, Esau, he's a hairy man. I'm a smooth man. My father might feel me and I should be seeming to mock him or something. He might bring a curse on me and so a blessing. His mother's like, No, 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 let your curse be on me, my son. Obey my voice. Go bring him to me. So he went, took them, brought them to the mother, and the mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Rebecca took the best garments of her older son Esau, which was with her in the house, put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats. She put on the hands of the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she prepared, prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. And he's like, How have you found it so quickly, my son? He's like, oh, the Lord granted me success. And Isaac, Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him. He said, The voice, the voice of Jacob, his hands are, are the hands of Esau. And so he knew that the, these hands were hairy, right? He knew the other ones were smooth. He knew the, the texture of these and what they looked like. It was a, distinct, a distinction between the two. He remembered what they looked like distinctly. He knew the texture of them. And he's like, uh, Rebecca tried to steal the blessing, the inheritance from the older, and put it on the, on the younger. And so she tried to, to swap the blessings around. And she's like, oh, here's some young goats. Go prepare this delicious meal for your father like he loves. And, you know, go present it to him. So she's deceit and cunning and kind of, like, lied about it and tried to, you know, swap the blessings around. And, you know, Esau was a hairy one and Jacob was a smooth one. And, you know, there was clear distinctions in these that, that we're seeing. And so for her to use um, these tactics to, you know, please this man of um, this blessing that wasn't supposed to be, in that order or that case and to try and you know rearrange it and try to um hide these things you know was just um wrong nonetheless and so um you know obviously this guy uh stole the blessing was it god's will or not you know that's um up for debate but obviously you know that's what happened and how it went down and, you know, God tells us in Malachi, Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. They'll be like stubble, like stubble on a beard, you know, like stubble. The day that's coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. They'll be on fire, so that they'll leave neither root nor branch. There's not going to be any root down the ground. No seed to bear. No root left. No more seed coming, right? And there's not going to be any branch left on top. It's going to be all burnt down. No root or branch. No olive branch to extend. No branches on top whatsoever. A bear tree. Not going to have any fruit. A barren tree. Bear tree on top and no root on the bottom. Like it's going to be burnt. But for you who fear my name, the sun. Like the sunshine. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. 
you're, you know, burst out that gate like a calf out of the stall running. And you're going to tread down the wicked. They'll be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act. The day I perform, God said. The day I put on my performance. The day I act. The day you see me take some acting lessons here. That's when uh, the wicked will be ashed under the soles of your feet. Says the Lord of House. And uh, he says, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers unless, you know, he comes and strikes the land with a curse and utter decree of destruction. He's like, he'll make it a way that there's going to be a reconciliation by true repentance and godly grief. You will repent and you will reconcile with godly repentance to turn away or else I will strike the land with a curse and make a complete destruction of it. He will turn the hearts of fathers to not be selfish for themselves, and the hearts of children to not be selfish for themselves, but hearts of fathers to the children, and hearts of children to their fathers. And he will make sure of it unless he destroys the whole place with a curse. Destruction. So that's one of the you know, great promise, promises that we have. And that's exactly how he ended the Old Testament, obviously, you know, and then the New Testament burst on the scene, but um, once again, you know, John's vision of, of the heavenly throne, this vision of um, God that he's given kind of compares this uh, power in this uh, godly power we have in Christ versus just religious pretenses or godliness of maybe like a show but not with power and you know John's at a loss for words on how to even describe this throne of God and at best he can just liken it to human things that he sees that has a spectacular um, awe to it and and is um, maybe magnificent enough to kind of describe it in words as he pens this um, these verses in Revelation and kind of tells us like what he saw when he got to view God's throne he says he sat there he who sat there had the appearance of a crystalline sparkle a jasper stone and a fiery redness of a sardius stone so it's like this you know crystalline sparkle and of jasper like he compares these to jewels right and this fiery redness like like a fire burning and encircling the throne is a rainbow and so it's not black or white, it's just colorfulness that he describes. It's like a rainbow encircling all around this throne. And, you know, as compared to next to it, he's seen the 24 um, thrones that were around it with 24 elders dressed in white clothing. So the elders, you know, are contrasted with being wearing white or they're in white clothing. And then all around the throne of God is, is color, like a rainbow, he says. Which is the distinctions in, in color and detail and vividness of this, you know, magnificent throne of God and the power with it is just, you know, just breathtaking. Just how the rainbow of colors is all around it. Yet the elders are, you know, in white and they have uh, gold crowns on their head, crowns of gold on their heads. And he tells us that there's like flashes of lightning and rumbling sounds, peals of thunder, you know, burning in front of the throne and they have um this large expanse it's like a sea it's the clearest crystal he has ever seen it's just like a big expanse um 
in the center of it, and it's so clear, it's a, a heavenly expanse that has eyes all around in the front and behind, um, and all around it. And the four, there's four creatures, right? There's a one that has, um, looks like a lion. The second creature looks like an ox. The third, like a face of a man. And the last, like an eagle. And so these four creatures, each of them, have six wings. And these wings, these little flaps that they have, little wing flaps there, even inside these wings, even inside these flaps, we spread these wings, they have eyes in it. So eyes inside their wings, they have um, eyes all around it, and eyes within it, front and back, all around, inside the wings too. I'm like, man, these guys see everything. Amazing vision. Nothing's hidden from them. They see it all in full glory and beauty and, and detail, you know. And they say they never, these elders, these are elders, they never, these are heavenly beings, but they never stop to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So just imagine, like, they never cease saying that. This view is you know, unending, all day, all night, eternity, you know, no, no stop, no beginning, no end. It's just, you know, a view. They get to view constantly and then be in constant awe of what they see that they cannot stop speaking holy, holy about it. And so we just see how these um, 24 elders are just in, in awe of this immaculate view of um, these things that they uh, get to see. Also, another um, part that I want to take us to is in Nehemiah 3, where there's the repairing of the wall going on. There's a lot of builders that were called to go back and help repair this wall, and um, it gives us a lot of names. Uh, there's some that um, Bethsaida repaired the old gate, they laid its beams, set up its doors with its bolts and its bars next to them. Melatiah the Gibeonite, and Jaden the Maranathite. The men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, they made repairs for the official seat in Jerusalem of the governor of the province beyond the Euphrates River. So not only is the governor um, have a seat here and made an official over, but um, over uh, Jaden here, but we see that Jaden, J-A-D-O-N, just how we spell my son's name, is this where we got his name from, Nehemiah 3-7, and it's the Hebrew um, version for um, Jaden, which means God hears, and it was kind of what we named our son after, when God healed him in the womb, after we prayed for God to hear our prayers and heal my son, and he did, and we named him as one of these uh, Maranathite uh, repairers of the wall in Jerusalem, in the book of Nehemiah, who requested from this Persian king to go back and uh, repair the wall. Um, in Jerusalem and rebuild it um, to uh, help his city um, be fortified again and to be um, strong again. And so Jaden was one of those um, repairs and that's what we named my son Mel's son after because God did hear our prayer as well and um, did heal him of all those um, things that he was accused of having in the womb. And so um, we kind of give thanks to that for, thanks God for that. And so I just wanted to point out that um, 
these uh, builders and repairers repaired the wall, and uh, there was also a seat for the governor there, and he was um, watching over this, and he was over, um, had a seat over the um, these builders, including Jaden, and also next to him, Hannah Knight, one of the perfumers, he made repairs, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And so we just see all these um, officials of half the district of Jerusalem made repairs. A lot of officials also come out here to watch and, and um, officiate and to make um, repairs in these districts that were set up over them. So just as, you know, God is faithful and did hear our prayers and um, did name our, we did um, name our kid, our oldest son after that, um, just to testify to God's goodness. Um, we see how, you know, God, our final benediction is just like God himself is our peace. He's our source of serenity. He's our spiritual well-being. And just like he brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep through his blood, his blood sealed and ratified the eternal covenant. So not only, you know, do we have many councils and counselors trying to uh, seal and ratify many um, uh, council sessions and many counseling um, sessions, God tells us that he's our peace, he's our source of serenity, he's our spiritual well-being, he brought the Lord Jesus, and he's a great shepherd of the sheep, and it's through his blood that sealed and ratified the eternal covenant. While uh, many covenants come to an end, including the old covenant, God, uh, Christ himself sealed with his blood the covenant that's everlasting and eternal. One that will never end and never fade. So many um, might equip you with um, every good thing to carry out uh, strength and, and, and peace and serenity and well-being. Guess what? Our benediction is that God himself is our peace and our serenity. You don't need to seal up and ratify any council sessions, governors, and um, shepherds. Guess what? Jesus Christ himself did that for us with his blood. And he equips us with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen us, making us complete and perfect as we ought to be. Accomplishing in us, which is pleasing in his sight, not the sight of man that watches on and looks for something to pick on. Because when you're watching for faults in someone, guess what? Pretty good probability you're going to find something. You're watching for it. You're looking for it. You're staring and gazing at it, trying to find something, right? Chances are you will find something and you'll make something up. (coughs) Excuse me. So, he says that uh, do what's pleasing in his sight. Now, do we want to, you know, do what's pleasing in the sight of man and, and, and God? Yes. But if you do what's pleasing in his sight, chances are it'll be pleasing in man's sight as well. Accomplishing in us as what's pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, obviously, you know, this is our benediction and this is what we put our trust in. God is our peace. He's our serenity. He's our spiritual well-being. He strengthens us and by his blood, he sealed and ratified and equipped us with every good thing to carry out his will. And he will strengthen us, making us complete and perfect as we ought to be. Not according to man, what man wants you to be, but what he wants you to be. And we do what's pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. Not man, not governor, not officials, not shepherds, not 
you know, McLean County officials. No, we do what's pleasing in Christ's sight, in God's sight, and he ratifies and seals us. We don't need um, counties or officials or governors or even, you know, majors looking on and trying to tell us what's wrong with us and sealing up council sessions for that. God, ultimately, Christ only did that for us. And that's our benediction of the Christian. He ratified that. And so we can see how false teachers are kind of prevalent everywhere and have this external um, godliness or this external um, shell where they may might make something look like it's godly or good or beneficial to society or in need or this is happening a lot and we need these things but when you look in the interior and the motives which God searches the heart we see that you know he's the one that's sufficient enough for us in these areas not man and no one in between um with that being said he tells us you know as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end of your life, for you will rest and rise again for your allotted inheritance at the end of the age. And, you know, he, um, it's like many will be purged, purified, and made white, refined, but the wicked will behave wickedly. None of the wicked shall understand, but those who are spiritually wise will understand. And uh, from the time the daily burnt offering is taken away until the abomination of desolation is set up, ruining the temple, there will be, you know, 1,290 days. But uh, happy and fortunate and blessed, you know, spiritually prosperous and beloved is he who waits expectantly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said, you know, I heard a man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he held up his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever. It would be for a time, times, and a half time. Three and a half times. Excuse me. But Daniel has promised, you know, hey, don't worry about raising your hands up to heaven, your right hand, your left hand. You will uh, finish your days and you will be allotted your inheritance at the end of age. No one will take that away from you. So that's just kind of our um, final benediction here. And um, one last note to kind of um, end on to is you know, he, he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He says, said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. 
Go, gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise I'll bring you up out of your affliction. <clears throat> and so, um... Uh, uh, affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, to the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so, you know, we see God is, is unchanging, and He said, you know, this is my name, and this is what you should tell him. Tell him who sent me. Go to the Israelites and tell him who sent me. Go to the Israelites and tell him my name. Behold, I'm against you, declares the Lord of hosts. I'll lift your skirts over your face. I'll make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. I'll throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. And all who look at you will shrink and say, Wasted Nineveh, who will grieve for her? Where shall I see comforters for you? Sounds like, you know, they will... Um, <clears throat> be against you and they lift your your skirt up over your face you don't even know it you know he'll do this like we said the devil is discreet he is um sneaky he is very um good at deceiving people he will uh lift their skirt over their face and they won't even know it excuse me and he'll show nations on their nakedness and the kingdoms their disgrace and they, they won't even know that's how discreet the devil is He's like, I'll throw filth at you and smear your feces all over you, and I'll make you vile. I'll treat you with contempt. I'll set you up as a spectacle. And there's not going to be anything you can do. And it will come about that all who see you will shrink back and run from you and say, Nineveh is completely rude. Who will grieve for her? I'll seek com- Why is he comforted for you? And so, God's saying, like, this will happen to you, Nineveh. Like, uh, I'll lift your skirt up. You won't even know it. Your nakedness will be seen. You won't be able to guard yourself. You won't protect yourself. You won't be able to even, like, um, <clears throat> shield yourself from this. Everyone will see your nakedness and your shame and your disgrace. Kingdoms will look at it. Nations will see it. And I'll throw feces at you and filth at you and smear it all around your face even. And make you vile. I'll treat you with contempt. I'll make you a spectacle for people to see. And when they see you, they'll shriek and run. They'll be like, oh my gosh, Nineveh is completely ruined. What happened to her? Who will grieve for you? So we see it quite the sight and quite the, you know, grievance. But, you know, there are still a few of them that have uh, not stained their garments, not soiled their garments. They walk with him in white, they're worthy. Because they walk in white. So you, this worthiness depends on, you know, what color you walk in. You might be worthy if you walk in white, it sounds like. He overcomes, will accordingly be dressed in white. I'll never blot his name out from the book of life. I'll confess and openly acknowledge his name before my father. So we see how, if you're not walking in white... You're not worthy and you'll be blotted out of the book of life in this church <clears throat> this was the church of the message to Sardis it's a real church and um if you weren't walking right you you got blotted out the book of life itself 
and you won't know when he comes. He comes like a thief in the night. If you do not wake up, knock you out cold sleep, you won't wake up. They'll try and wake you up and try and wake you up and try and wake you up. You're zonked. We can't get you up. We just can't wake you up. We can't wake you up. He'll knock you out so cold in your sleep. If you don't wake up, he'll come like a thief in the night when you're hard, cold, fast asleep. And he'll lift your skirt up before na- nations. And people look at your nakedness right there in your own bed. Knocked out cold. And you'll have soil uh, in your garment from it. While you're asleep. Until you're made worthy and walking in white for him. This is a church, a real church. Otherwise, he will blot you out of the book of life. This is a real message to a real church. It's really happening. That's how they run this place around here. Sin God of Satan. Where Satan's throne is. Ask Luke. He's a mighty physician. He power washes the thing every day. He spits it out of his mouth and washes it. Hot water, warm water, whatever his spittle wants to lick it up and lap it up and wash it with. He does it. Oh, he worked hard. He's a hard worker. Got a permit for it and all. Oh, he's working hard. He spits you out of his mouth. That's how he washes the car around here. Don't be deceived. Got a lot of friends. In the synagogue of Satan. Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold, the distant stars, how high they are. You say, what does God know about me? Can he judge through this thick darkness? Thick clouds are a hiding place for him so that he cannot see. And he walks on the vault, the circle of heavens. Will you keep to the ancient path that wicked men walked? men who were snatched away before their time, whose foundations are poured out like a river. They said, depart from us. What could the Almighty do for us? Or to us? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked and the ungodly is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent mock and laugh at them, saying, surely our adversaries are cut off and destroyed, and the fire has consumed their abundance. Now yield and submit yourself to him. Agree with God and be conformed to his will and be at peace. This way, in this way, you'll prosper and good will come to you. There's a lot of uh, accusations going on falsely about Job. And um, you want to know, you know, if you can be of any use to, to God, can a vigorous man be of any use to God? Or a wise man? Uh, useful to him? Useful to himself? What benefit is it to God if you're righteous, right? So, just to sum up our lesson, you know, it's kind of, um, God bless. You know, his creation, the creatures and man, he said, be, be fruitful, multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on earth and there was evening, there was morning on the fifth day and so he gives, he gives this blessing and um, you know, tells us to be fruitful and multiply and he did it according to their kinds you know, 
and all different varieties and kinds of of winged birds and um, sea um, creatures in the sea. So he wanted kinds to be blessed, not one kind, but multiple kinds um, and tribes he deemed to be blessed. And if he, you know, obviously did that for the winged bird and um, for the creatures in the sea that he affirmed and and you know saw that was good and he blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply surely he wanted that for all kinds of mankind as well and so it's hard to um determine the wheat from the weeds by the exterior and we like to judge maybe by false pretenses or color or acts of godliness or works but at the end of the day you know god knows the inside and god knows the heart and god knows the power of the spirit that works these these things and so um just a final exhortation to to um Nineveh again you know are you better than Thebes which is situated by the waters of the Nile with water surrounding her whose defense was a sea whose wall consisted of the sea Ethiopia was her strength Egypt too without limits Put Lubim were among her helpers yet she became exile she went to captivity her young children were dashed to pieces at the head of every street they cast lots for her honorable men and her great men were bound in chains it's like uh, they called her Ethiopia and then they strengthened her and how did they uh, make it strong how did they make Nineveh strong well they thought her water uh, was what you know guarded her with that defense wall they thought water was her defense so they burnt that down they destroyed that and then they thought, oh, maybe we'll have uh, nations come and uh, put a little uh, trust in this and a little investment in this and help strengthen it. So Egypt, without limits, helped strengthen that. Put Lubin, we're among our helpers. Yet she became exiled and went to captivity. Even our kids were dashed to pieces at the head of every street. Lots were cast for honorable men. They're all bound in chains. You too, Nineveh, will become drunk with a cup of God's wrath. You'll be hidden. You too, Nineveh, will search in vain for refuge from the enemy. All your fortresses are nothing but fig trees with ripe figs. When shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. Behold, your people are as weak and helpless as women in your midst. The gates of your land are open wide to your enemies. Fire consumes the bars across your gates. Draw water for a long continued siege. Strengthen your fortresses. Go down to the clay pits that you made. Trample them with mortar. Make some pitch from ash and water and smear it into brick. And make some uh, mortar there. Prepare the brick and kiln to burn bricks for the rampart. So then they burn them and, and, you know, make little forts for themselves. But there, the fire will devour you. The sword will cut you down. It will devour you as the locust does. Multiply yourself like the creeping locust. Multiply yourself like the swarming locust. You increase your traders, 
your trustees, your traders, more than the visible stars of heaven. Sparkling all over, little metal sparkles inside your traders are like heavenly stars. More visible than that, he says. The creeping locust strips, destroys, and then flies away. Your guardsmen are like the swarming locusts. Your marshals are like the hordes of grasshoppers. Settling in the stone walls on a cold day, when the sun rises, they fly away. No one knows the place where they are. So we see there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, false pretenses that God warns about and that we see, you know, these exterior guards and exterior maybe um, fortifications that we have that once they're stripped down and burnt to nothing um, it could just be uh, plundered and looted and um, left to steal from. And so, beloved, you are acting faithfully in what you are providing for the brothers, especially when they are strangers, and have testified before the church of your love and friendship. You'll do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. And so many beloved um, witnesses have testified about, you know, you are acting faithfully in what you are providing for the brothers, especially when they are strangers. And they testify before the church to your love and your friendship. And you'll do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. <laughs> for these missionaries, you know, they went out for the sake of the name, for Christ. Except for nothing. No way of assistance for anything that they've done. And so, you know, there's been commendations. There's been testifyings of, you know, every faithful thing that, that you know, you've done. And don't let, you know, these false teachers... Um, disregard that or trample that down or, you know, not um, take that into account because it seems like they have a way of using deceit to twist all these things in the good testimony that comes in and to relentlessly speak wicked nonsense, you know, and to stop anyone that wants to welcome you in the church. And so they just say, like, you know, be on guard against false teachers and, and make sure you know, that you do uphold the testimony of those that are true witnesses and those that did testify and be loved. And they said, you're acting faithfully what you're doing. So, the Lord says, for three transgressions of the children of Ammon and for four multiplied delinquencies, I'll not reverse his punishment or revoke my word concerning it. Because the Ammonites have ripped open pregnant women to enlarge their border. I'll kindle a fire of war, conquest, and destruction on the wall of uh, Rabbah and Ammon. And it shall devour its strongholds amid war cries and shouts and alarms on the day of battle. And a tempest in the day of the whirlwind, the enemy will capture the city. So just rip it open, you know, pregnant women to increase their border. Because, like, I will punish you for these, you know, for these delinquencies and for all these um, things that you have done. I will hold you accountable. They have breastplates, like scales, made of iron, and whirling noises of their wings with, like, the thunderous noise of countless horse-drawn chariots. 
charging at full speed into battle. They have tails like scorpions that sting. And their tails have power in them to hurt people for five months. So they're saying these um have teeth like lions. Their breastplates like scales and, and of iron. They're hard. And their wings make noise like thunder. And uh, like a chariot running full speed with horses and chariots. Like a rider of a chariot, you know. And their tails, well, they're like a scorpion tail. They have stingers on them. They hurt. Like scorpion pinchers going in there. It's like a pokey uh, scorpion tail. And they have power to hurt people for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the best of boundless pit. In Hebrew, his name means abandoned, destruction. And in Greek, called Apollyon, which means destroyer king. So we see like how there's a lot of um, armor, a lot of shields, a lot of um, a lot of external ways that we can easily be deceived between the wheat and the weeds, and just how God calls us to um, be faithful and to you know avoid those kind of people to know, you know. The false teachers from the true and to not you know even be around you know false disciples a man with measuring line and he says I lifted my eyes and saw and behold a man with measuring line in his hand and I said where are you going he said to me I'm measuring Jerusalem to see what its width is what its length is and behold the angel who talked with me came forward and another angel came forward to meet me and said run say to the young man Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of the people and the livestock in it like I measured it I got this width, I got this length, I got this diameter, I got all the measurements of it. And it's going to be like a village without walls because of all the men and all the livestock that's in it. And I'll, you know, set fire to your wall all around it, declares the Lord, and that will be the glory in the mist. Up, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have spread you abroad to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Up. Excuse to Zion, you who dwell with daughter Babylon, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations, who plundered you? For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. I'll shake my hand over them, and they shall become plunder for those that serve them. So God's like, oh, my wrath is coming, hold fast. All that plundered you, they'll be plundered themselves. Anyone that touches you, touches the apple of my eye. Like, don't worry. I will vindicate it. And he said, um, Jerusalem will be inhabited like villages without walls, spreading out into the open country because of the great number of people and livestock in it. It will be like a wall of fire all around, protecting it from our enemies, and it'll be the glory in the mist. <clears throat> I thought that was just such a great picture of, you know, God's power and once again, like a different view of, um, God's glory that we see and just how he's this refuge and this 
well, many walls and, and, and armor and exteriors and, um, you know, false appearances are about, you know, just how we see um, God's outpouring of uh, protection and refuge and, and power and grace and favor and how he does come to rescue and he's a great refuge and just, you know, that long suffering sometimes that you gotta, you know, keep um, waiting for him to come through and so we keep um, we keep on praising, keep on praising in the wait. And once again, you know, we see that Mordecai the Jew was second in command to King Ahasuerus. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, this was a pagan king, a Gentile king at the time. And to have a Jew... Uh, um, of this um, sect, you know, be second in command to him was quite astounding. And that's, you know, with, you know, General Electric and, you know, all his glory, he was a contender in the race with all the stuff that he did, you know, this garland that he puts on people's necks and, you know, welcomes them and whatnot. So Mordecai to be second in command, even to him, was pretty astounding. You know, this man was looking out for the welfare of his people and, you know, popular with the multitudes because of that. And even, you know, Dollar General um, might have got knocked down to third <laughs> with that. So Mordecai really worked his way up to ranks, up the ranks, and um, really became a popular you know, man behind the scenes and during this time that was unlike any other period in history to have this uh, peace rule and this unifying um, coming together against a cause um, in all history. So once again, you know, we see the the wheat and the weeds just kind of uh, intermingling. Jesus Christ sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. Uh, that you may stand firm, mature, fully assured. He assured him. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those in Laodicea. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to them. They are hard workers, working hard for you. They're co-workers with you on the one mission that you have. Well, thank you guys for joining us in this episode of Ample Cause, Our Justification, in our Word Go Bible Study Kingdom Stories. Hi! Um, this was... Once again, Matthew 13, 24 through 16. It was our uh, week two, question two, parable of um, the weeds and and the wheat and them growing together and um, what suggests and how um, they introduce these concepts with this parable. And then also um, question four was, you know, what does the phrase while everyone was sleeping suggest about Satan opposes, how Satan opposes Christ's work? And we just see um, the discreetness and the 
you know, cunning and just how covert Satan is and how he does it, you know, in very sneaky, subtle ways when um, most people aren't noticing and um, while you're, you're asleep, so to speak. So I hope you um, enjoy the study with me. I love um, studying God's word with you. Um, please join us back again um, next week. See you soon. want to thank you again for this Bible study and for um, being able to come together and study your word and for just your um, guidance and your lamp to our feet, Lord, and and all the paths that you um, straightly sow before us, Lord, that, you know, they're right and they're true. May we always um, follow you in this um, path that you plant us in, Lord. Um, Father, thank you for um, helping us to invoke a blessing in the land Will it be by your name, God, by the one true name? And those who take an oath in the land, Lord, may we swear by the one true God, Father. May past troubles never be remembered. May they be forgotten and hidden from your eyes. May you create the new heaven, the new earth, and may former things 